You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. You have the loudest gulps when you. Oh, I know. I'm a I'm a gross drinker. I think. Was that you? Just were drinking. Let me guess. Some attack fuel. I was. Yeah. Yeah. And I did I, a I did a heavy tire drag session this morning. Now sweating buckets. I saw that. What was with the sandbags in the middle of the tire? Was that to add weight? Yep. Yeah. That old knee of yours can handle that, Bracken. I can do things like that. Yeah. Um. You told me something before we started recording about your knee. You had a doctor appointment this morning on your on your good knee, in quotes. That's right. Got out of the workout, didn't even shower. Just t- wiped myself off, went to the doctor. And it was quick. This is the guy that did my first knee. So we were able to hash it out pretty quickly. Uh, took x-rays. No structural, no, doesn't seem to be bone damage or anything like that. Then he did the physical tests and... Last time he's, you know, he, he bend the knee a certain way, they jiggle it, they check for ACL mm-hmm. instability and all that stuff. And since all, all my swelling, I don't have any. It's not like I can fake that test. Like when my sister, she tore ACL, MCL, um, I think PCL as well. Like everything in one, they, they didn't think she tore ACL. They thought it was just meniscus because she had so much swelling, it was locked in place and it didn't show instability. But, you know, there's, there's none of that with mine. So he so right, everything's stable, but as soon as he did the the, the meniscus motion, it was just like barking right at me. Really, Which I knew, but it's it's always like final to to have that test done. So he said that they are booked through like August September on like full like complex joint ligament stuff, but that on a meniscus, it's a 20, 30 minute thing. He said, yeah, this month we can get it done. Just you have to get your MRI. So. Called on the way home, got an MRI for the earliest appointment. I got Thursday morning MRI. And so uh, maybe in the next, I don't know, one, two, three weeks, I'll go under the knife and get this one finally done. We both have big Thursday mornings. I got my first haircut scheduled on Thursday morning oh, in like three months. You got an MRI. We have big days ahead. Yeah. Do you let them do everything? Like, do they do your your face as well? No, this thing is this thing is uh, going to go all natural for quite a while. It's a beard of mine. Really? They're not touching my face. Yeah. How does Jess feel about that? Great. It's like an extra blanket. It's nice. <laughs> I can't be comfortable to kiss. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I don't want to distract from your knee. So uh, surgery is coming up soon. In theory, yeah. Yeah, I was. I went into this thinking I will be lucky to get it done by July 1st. And now it seems like barring like insurance mishap or something crazy happening, like it should be done by middle of June. That's fantastic. You know what I was thinking about with your knees and all this? Maybe you just don't talk to me this way, Bracken. Maybe you're, you save these conversations for your wife or your family. But you've never once had like a coming to Jesus breakdown, like F this, I'm drawn too many bad cards. And you've never had that like ultimate tipping point frustration conversation with me about your knees. No. You've had like a positive attitude. Is that for real? Or are you just skirting around, around let me know your real thoughts there? Uh, I, I had two moments. Um, when I first 
a week after high rocks, I, I was recovered and I went to do a quality workout and on that rest interval is when I tore the, the second tear bad. Mm. And that's when I, I just turned while walking in a tour and I just like, I had to, I had a sled loaded up with like 600 pounds and I had to unload the sled because it was in the middle of city hall's parking lot, oh. carry all the weight back to my garage and basement, get the sled back in. And like every step was agony. And I was too proud to like go inside and asked my wife and my parents to like go unload the sled for me. So mm -hmm. I did it and just like marched right up to my room and laid down on my bed. And I just like pouted for like 30 minutes. That's worthy of a pout. And then, and that was it. I just, I got up and I was like, all right, like I could, I could go. I've, I've seen so many people go through this. Like I said, my sister destroyed her knee. My other sister had meniscus. My, my dad's had more injuries that I can even remember. Like my mom broke her back in high school. Um, everyone, every athlete we know has gone through stuff and I've been lucky my whole life until these last three years, but I've always watched everyone else's process. And I've always just said like, you know what? We are the person we are like, as soon as the chips are down, like anyone can put on a good face until that point. And I just like kept telling myself, if it ever does happen to me, I just have to like do whatever possible to be that person. You know, the one who's sitting in the hospital bed scripting out their next training block and like being positive, like, all right, I'm going to make the best out of this. So I pouted for 30 minutes. And then another one weekend, I just had like, my knee wasn't recovering and I was pissed off. And I had like three hours one afternoon, I was super crabby. And then I was like, I'm sorry, Lisa, like this, this is, I won't do this ever again. And so other than those two moments, I've been pretty mindful of being positive. I'm, ta I'm tallying this up. So uh, going through understanding that you have two bum knees, you've pouted for a total of three and a half hours. I'd say that's pretty good. Wow. Like, yeah. like legit, like feeling sorry for myself and uh, I just, I'm giving up kind of thing. You know, I've, I, I have dark moments throughout all my workouts because I can't do what I want to do or like, oh, I can't put my shoes on because I can't lift my heel up high enough. Like a couple times a day mm -hmm. I have frustration, but I've, I've avoided any big, big mm -hmm. like de de bouts of depression. I've had three and a half hours of depression. That's not so bad. That's not so bad. See, I was thinking of you because I got a, a couple of athletes who we do. I do a Sunday check-in with my athletes. So I ask for a weekly summary and there's continual negative undertones like eh, training went well or training went bad, but this is still like, like it's just a general negative underlying theme, whether it's with injury or their mindset or something. And I've come to realize that that is probably more detrimental to an athlete's success than just maybe getting out a good cry, sucking it up, processing in the moment and moving on instead of just these little jabs at your psyche constantly every day, every week when something isn't going the way it needs to be. So I would say maybe a three hour pout, get it out of your system and then try to move on is the way to do instead of letting it filter into everyday life. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying there? I do. And I can't say I would have handled this the same a little while ago, but like I've, I've had so much time on my hands to be introspective and retrospective, um, looking back on everything and analyzing the way I've been for the last mm -hmm. couple of years. And there's some trends I didn't like. I stopped being a finisher. You know, I'd, I'd bail on workouts when I got out of shape and injured. I'd skip workouts. I'd bail on races if I wasn't winning. Like I, we've talked about this. There were some things I didn't like about the athlete and the person I was starting to become mentally. And so I've made some pretty like definitive lines in the sand that no matter what I'm finishing, no matter what I'm doing this. And one of those things is that I, and we've talked about this, I can't stand people with the constant excuses. 
I'm tired of people showing up to the starting line with an excuse and crossing the finish line with an excuse. And everything they do has a an asterisk attached to it. One and, of my biggest pet peeves. Yeah. And, and, and I know and usually I, people will set that up before the race. Yeah. They'll, they'll set it up just in case they have a bad race. They have that excuse in their back pocket already waiting. I hate that. Yeah. And I know I've been guilty of it. And so this... This whole process is like, I've got time to work on the little things. And so that's one of them. Like, I just have to handle this better than what I used to. And one thing I've noticed is that I can safely quit things. Like if I get to an interval session and I was doing this on my rebuild until the next knee started and I was doing it in my high rocks build, if I was going to hit 10 to 12 reps, around like rep six, I'd just start telling myself, all right, 10s, you're out. You're just, you need to hit 10 and then you're fine. And I'd get to 10 and let's say I had 45 second rest coming. Mm-hmm. I'd hit 10 and I'd be like, all right, that's it. And I just hit split instead of stop though. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm quitting. I'm done. I did it. And 30 seconds in, it's like, all right, I got that out of my system. And now I got 15 seconds left and we're going again. And the rest of the workout would be fine. Mm-hmm. Or I'd be doing a, uh, a high rock sim and like halfway through, I'd start thinking, you know what? I don't need the whole thing. I only need two thirds of it to really get what I want out of this. So, all right, you get to quit at two thirds. And I get into two thirds. It's like, all right, now I quit. Okay, let's keep going. So like these mini quits that my mind almost just needed to be unburdened for a second. Mm-hmm. Of like the enormity of whatever I was trying to accomplish. So I'd, I'd let myself quit knowing that it was a just, uh, I was hitting split, not hitting stop. But as long as I said, all right, I quit. And now let's do it again. For whatever reason, like that became like a process for me. So I think that's what those two little breakdowns were. Like, I just can't do it anymore. I'm giving up. And then it's like, okay, got that out of my system. Now I can keep not giving up. You know, if you listen to some of our past interviews, uh, yours is a different version with injury, but everybody goes through a growth process. Listen to Hobie Call storming off of the race course and saying, screw this, I quit. After his marathon bomb, he gave up on life and running and just went into a state of depression. He came back, he found his way. Hunter McIntyre, freaking dead half dead in ditches how many times probably before he found his way yours is a you know your own version of uh of of learning yourself so to speak um well that's good man i'm glad uh i'm glad you got some uh some dates on the calendar yeah and the best thing about this is that if it bumps me up two to three weeks of what my tentative like i said at a 64 week (laughs) plan if it bumps me up three to four weeks it makes a goal I've had for a long time suddenly attainable. Mm-hmm. And this was a private goal, but everyone's we've been talking with and each other about there's power in putting things out there. Yep. Well, John Albin and I have a nine-year Spartan elite podium streak going, dating back to 2011. Neither of us have one in 2020. So mm-hmm. we're both sitting on, if we podium, we stretch it out to a decade. And I always thought a decade of not missing a podium would be an incredible thing to do. And mm-hmm. last year I broke my win streak. I had an eight year first place streak going and I broke it because I skipped a race or two and I was mentally weak in a race or two. And now it, now I'm down to just one streak I have going and yeah. I'd like to stretch it as far as I can and maybe put it out of reach. You know, a VJ or someone might be able to take that down eventually, but if I can get through this year, you know, barring injury, I'd like to get to 15 years of straight podiums. And that's just a, that's, Getting in early allowed me to set some numbers that maybe people don't touch someday. So, um, but that means that I have to get back and make a podium this calendar year. Now, Uh if races resume, then we're all screwed. And I'll just put an asterisk next to it. That's my excuse. Like I shouldn't have, and I'll move forward. But I need to be ready for a fall race. 
And so every week that I can get back now is super valuable. And now that's given me hope again. Like if I can get under the, the, the knife by like the 20th, that's an extra two weeks than I thought I was going to have. So those two weeks would be a lot. That's more than you think, actually. Two weeks is a lot. Oh, huge. Yeah. Especially yeah. for this kind of injury where like it can grow in leaps and bounds. So I've got my eye on a 2020 podium. I need my decade. We can move on from this after after this. But um, I also think another reason that some people are more resilient through trials and tribulations is you have a plan B or more in your life than just racing. You have a family you give a shit about. Uh, you have coaching. You know that ultimately you have other passions like, hey, if I'm gimped up, that, mean, that means I can put more energy into my athletes and my family versus some people, if they have all their eggs in one basket and their passions start and end at racing, um, that can be way more detrimental. So I think the smart people, and we, and we talked to David Makita about this, we talk, now we're talking to you about this, is like David Makita put irons in the fire to set his life up for success. You have more irons in the fire. I have more irons in the fire. Like one little injury, sure, I'll just put my energy into something else I care about at the yeah. moment. And so there's peace of mind there, like having layers to your life other than other than like just racing. You know what I mean? Like that, there's something to be said about that. And you've earned that right. I think so. And yeah. for a while, it gave me an easy out. Like this isn't my life anymore. I can quit this workout. But now it's it's my safety net. Now it's mm -hmm. now you can go go ahead build back up, go nail some workouts because why not? You've got you've got your other stuff waiting for you. Go go blow out the tubes for a little bit and come back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we were we were going to chat about a number of things here in our uh, in our intro before we got into the real topic, folks. But we've been we're 13 minutes deep, Brack, and some we just get chatty, don't we? Can't stop talking about myself. Oh, I love it. There is one thing I do want to say though before we talk about our topic today. Yeah, there's a really cool competition happening this coming weekend. Uh, you yeah. hear about this? The was it the Chasky Challenge? I have not. Enlighten me. All right. So Chesky Challenge, I believe it stems from a race series down in Peru. But um, there is Tyler Andrews, I believe. He's an American distance runner, is hosting this thing. It's basically a, I'm on their website right now, so I'll just read it. I'm not going to summarize. It's a treadmill festival of records race. And it's kind of like the backyard ultra where anyone can sign up and anyone can complete it in their own home. But they're also going to have a live stream going with um, each professional athlete's live stream set up and you can watch them and then they'll have like a, uh, a tracker going. So they're going after treadmill world records on June 6th. They're gonna start at, I believe, what is it? 6 p.m. Eastern time. They're gonna start with the, the live broadcast. Uh, they're gonna have $5,000 plus in prizes and awards and they have an elite field. So Sarah Hall, who is like a multi, probably at least 10 time uh, national champion in the U S yep. um, she's going to go after the half marathon world record on the treadmill. Um, and then we have some OCR ties to this. Max King is going to take on Tyler Andrews and Mike Wardian in the 50 K Mike and Max have both done Spartan races. Mike's done multiple and he won the big backyard ultra. Mm. Um, and I believe he also did ultra virus. What is the, uh, do you have it in front of you? What the, what's the record pacing for a 50 K on the treadmill? I don't have it in front of me. You know, I know that that all uh, Wardian and Andrews have held it the record in the past. It's been broken three times this year already. It's got to be sub six or close to it, huh? Yeah, I think it's in the in the high fives. High like five five fifty for thirty one miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's got to be sub six. Yeah, I know that uh, Tyler Andrews ran the half marathon. He's a current holder in the half marathon treadmill world record. He ran sixty three and change. Okay. So like wow. they're cruising. 
Olympic trial standard is 64. Wow. Um, and he ran under that on a treadmill. So, so these guys are cruising. Um, they're, they're, so they're going after the half marathon world record, the 50 K world record and Mario Mendoza is going after the 50 mile world record. And I'm sure there's more people doing it, but those are just like the big names I know of and our very own ultra runner slash, uh, Spartan racer is going to be, um, one of the, the, the hosts, one of the two commentators they're going to have on this. So Chris Brown, Christopher Brown out of, uh, California runs for Hoka and rabbit. He's going to be one of the commentators. He's a funny guy and uh, really interesting. So if you want to see him and hear him, or if you want to watch people go after world records, or if you want to join yourself or just have something interesting to watch while you work out this weekend, tune into the Chasky challenge and you can just go to chasky.run slash challenge. And it has all the information you could possibly need, but I'm going to be watching it uh, probably on the spin bike and it's going to be pretty awesome. That's sweet. What day is that again? Uh, it's June 5th through 6th. It's yeah. going on, but on the 6th, I believe. Yeah, Saturday. on the 6th is when they're doing the pro uh, going after world records. You know, me and Chris Brown found ourselves next to each other in like four races this last year. Any mountain course, we somehow were in the same realm. Um, and I've never talked to the guy. The only time I heard him say anything was in West Virginia. And we were like 13 miles deep into that race or 12 and like five deer ran across the trail in front of us and we're power hiking up the last steep incline. And he's uh, and he just shouts, get the fuck out of my way, you fucking deer. This is my fucking race course. And I was like, you got that kind of energy in you right now? I was like, you're a crazy mother. And that was my only experience with him. And it was, it was like chuckle-worthy. We were dying and that alleviated some of the pain for a second. Yeah, he's a super positive guy. Yeah, he was being funny. Not serious. Yeah. I met him officially for the first time the night before the uh, the Tahoe Ultra. And he was there with his girlfriend. And uh, I was like, hey, you Chris? He's like, yeah, you Bracken. And he just started giving me advice, like seeing what my nutrition strategy was, what my gear drop box mm -hmm. was going to be like. And he knew I'd never done one. And he was just giving me advice openly the night before. And then we chatted afterwards after he destroyed everybody on that mountain the next day. So cool guy. Tune in and watch him. Sweet. Uh, two matters of business here. Um, first, we got our contest running, folks, for your uh, one free month of coaching. This is our third week of four. We aren't giving away free coaching for a while after this. So you got to write a review for us and uh, we will put you into the box to win a free month of coaching. Again, this coaching is 100% customized to you, your race goals, uh, everything personalized to you. And I put you guys in random number generator just before we uh, started this podcast. So our winner this week of one free month of coaching is. You love your drum rolls. Yeah, I do. Eric McIntyre. Eric McIntyre, congratulations. I think you were one of the first fellows to write us a review and we started this contest. Uh, reach out to us on uh, either our personal pages or the Running Public Instagram page and we'll get you headed the right direction. But Eric McIntyre, congratulations. One free month of coaching coming your way, brother. I got to tell you, next time I have a down moment with this knee, I'm just going back through and reading the reviews. We got some great ones. 59 reviews since we started this contest. Yeah, and they're not just going through the motions. These are these are the kind of like reviews that, that warm my heart. These are pretty <laughs> incredible. So that's not why we're asking for them, but I'm not going to tell you to stop. You guys are making my day every time someone writes one. You are. And by the way, last week, our contest winner, <laughs> I, I'm going to apologize. So we, the, last week's contest winner was Sandy Go Joey. Okay. Uh, this idiot over here, which is me, 
his username is actually San Diego, Joey. <laughs> 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 and, and, we, and you called him Sandy. Sandy, we're going to hook you up. So San Diego, Joey. Uh, your name, his name is Joey, not Sandy. Uh, we're not perfect guys. San Diego Joey is actually San Diego Joey. Not sure how my brain didn't put that together. Now, now we're, we may be idiots, but since there's probably a lot of people like us out there, maybe a, maybe a underscore or a hyphen, Sandy, yeah. <laughs> or some capitalization. Yeah, come on, Sandy. A capitalization or underscore would have fixed the problem. He told me we had our Skype call because uh, he chose to work with me, not you, Bracken. Suck it. Yeah. Uh, that it doesn't allow capitalizations in your Instagram handle. So that was not an option. I gave him a hard time about it. Okay. I mean, right. some sort of punctuation. Come on, Sandy. Yeah. And then the second item of business, uh, Bracken was just under the, just said something about uh, saying you're going to do something and then doing it. You know, there's some allure and to, to committing to something. Well, we are committing to you folks. We are not going to unroll it today, but we got, uh, we may have some, uh, let's call it races that we are going to have coming up to keep you guys on the horn, some contests. Uh, think, uh, virtual, uh, maybe ultra virus like type where it's going to matter and we're going to put our own twist on it and mm -hmm. you're going to freaking love it. We're going to roll that out next week. Oh, I just got the butterflies knowing that we have to finish this now. Yeah, <laughs> we do have to finish it now, but, uh, I'm just going to keep you in suspense. We got some cool stuff in the works for you guys to work towards the end of the month and life changing prizes. Life changing. Now that's a commitment. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We can commit to that. that. That's a broad to, definition. I will say we're going to have a very serious, we're going to have a very purposeful uh, race that we want you to work towards. And then I'll just give you a clue. Some of you might want to work on your beer drinking skills. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at you, Nicole Marigold. We're looking at you. Um, all right. God, we, we 22 minutes of banter, Brack, and we're going to have to work on this. Um, what are we talking about today? We are talking about one of my favorite subjects on earth interval training i am not a tempo runner i'm not a long runner i'm not a, a marathoner i am a speed runner kirk at my core all i want to do is i'm ricky bobby i just want to go fast and that's what we're chatting today yeah and and intervals are this is the fun stuff this is the spicy stuff this is the stuff that we get up for it's the flashy part of training um and we realized we haven't really dive, dove into the specifics of interval training. Maybe we're going to discuss three sort of categories of interval training, uh, what the purpose is, and so on and so forth. But really, interval training is and should be a centerpiece to your training program, especially when you are trying to get race fit. Absolutely. And, and our bodies respond to intense stress. And interval work is intense stress. And our bodies respond to repetition. It really does. And interval work is inherently repetition. In fact, some people call them repetitions or reps, like yeah. bouts of work followed by bouts of recovery scripted out is what interval work is. And it is something that we just really respond to. And everyone responds to it. Some people respond to short. Some people respond to moderate or long. Some people respond to longer, shorter rest. But everybody's body responds to the type of stress that interval work gives you. And it is probably the most like black and white way of improving your speed that there possibly is. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think of intervals, I think of being uncomfortable. Yeah. I think of like discomfort and I think of uh, out, yeah, out of my comfort zone. And when you think of that, like in life or in training, when you're out of your comfort zone, that is when changes happen, right? Like either your mentality or your body, it's perspective. 
Um, and intervals, if serve nothing else, it's getting comfortable being uncomfortable mm-hmm. and preparing you to feel that in a race. And then, of course, there's physiological and neurological benefits to all of this. Um, so, so let's dive in. We have three sort of aspects we want to dive into. We're going to say like short, fast, spicy stuff with high rest. We have middle of the road and, you know, like moderate rest, still pretty high intensity. And then we have the short rest stuff maybe even more towards tempo and threshold work. So I figure we start with the least flashy, which would be the threshold tempo, short rest type intervals, and then move forward into like the peaking and sexy stuff. How's that sound? I like it. So when I think of, when I think of um, short rest intervals, I'm thinking 60 seconds or less of recovery time. Mm-hmm. And while the speed that you're, the pace you're hitting drives your interval work, the recovery really determines the scope of your workout. Because if you air long or short with your recovery, your workout is just totally blown up. So 60 seconds, 45 seconds, 30 seconds of rest on intervals, that guarantees that you just can't run too fast on the interval. Otherwise, you are not going to finish. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I say the the one in this scope, I would say no matter what the even the distance is, gosh, I would I would say whether you're running half mile repeats or 5K repeats, 60 seconds is kind of where I like to cap the max rest for this style of this style of workout. Now, if you were to say, what is the, what is the purpose of short rest interval training? What, what would you tell the listeners the purpose of that would be? I'd say the purpose of this is to take a pace that in theory you can sustain for a long amount of time with a long amount of stress and break it up into shorter bouts that you can now sustain with less stress. And now you can hit every interval perfectly. That's, that's where I look at it. Like to me, this is 10K pace to half marathon pace. You could even do marathon pace intervals, like long stuff, like three by 5K with 40 to 60 seconds rest in between. But it's the kind of stuff that you would start to have your form deteriorate and you'd be fighting 10 out of 10 effort to keep after six miles, seven miles, 10 miles of work. But over the course of running thousands or five. Uh, K's or even like two mile repeats, something like that. You can hit each one perfectly, stress your body, and then quick recover just enough to sharpen back up and hit the next one again. So a lot of these wouldn't be like all out, inside out, red line uh, interval workout. These are just a notch below, sort of set the cruise on and go like cruise intervals, you could almost call them. Yeah, cruise intervals. Yep. Cruise intervals would be a good way to describe it where you can keep your form, you can keep your cadence, you can keep the effort in control but then you can extend the duration or the rep count of that workout out to get more work to prepare you. I, I think a lot of times to lay a base foundation to your speed. And then also uh, it's a great style of training for longer race prep. Yeah. Um, and, and for this, you know, when you look at really talented or really high level runners, um, I'll peek at some of their workouts on Strava or read blogs about training. And before I started implementing this style of training, I thought this was absolutely nuts. I would see a marathoner do two by 10K with 60 seconds rest between. And I'd be like, two by 10K with 60 seconds rest between? Like, what mm-hmm. the hell? What's the point? You just have to stop to pee and call it a rest? Or no, like the point of this is that 60 seconds is gold. Uh, it helps you reset if you find your cadence or form is breaking down. Um, it just allows you to sustain that level of work uh, longer and still be productive without, I don't know, maybe tapping into an energy system. You don't want to tap into if that, that guy did 20 K worth of hard work without a break. Um, so what phase of training would you place this in Bracken, this long 
interval with short rest? So that's a good question. And I think it really depends on what you are training for. If you're a 5K, 10K runner, this is the stuff you're doing during some base building work. This is what you do before you start getting into your VO2 max and speed work. If you're a marathoner, this might be the bread and butter of your of your season. You look at Eliud Kipchoge, who is the guy who um, is the current world record holder in the marathon, broke two in that controlled time trial that he did with pacers. And one of his standard workouts are repeat thousands with short mm -hmm. rest, you know, 10 to 12. There are days where he's doing upper teens, closer to 20 by thousand, you know, with yeah. 40 to 60 seconds rest. And it's fast for us looking at it, but he's doing it at 10K to half marathon pace. That is the right. bread and butter of his week, but that's faster than race pace work for him. Um, whereas for a, a miler might be doing 10 by thousand in the fall, you know, during what would be cross country before he sharpens up over the winter and gets ready for his spring track season. Yeah, I would say these type of workouts sort of build like the foundation of your high output engine, meaning like, like it, it could prep you to race and it could prep you to race well. It's getting your body adjusted to a high amount of work over time, which is racing really when you think about it. Um, mm -hmm. But it's giving you those mental breaks. It's giving you just a slight amount of physical break. Um, and I would say it's like, it would be purposeful base work in the sense where you can still develop some really nice fitness off of this, but it's not allowing you to sharpen too quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I really like implementing these style of intervals personally into my long runs. Um, it's a great uh, substitute for just going out and running steady, doing five by five minutes with one minute easy in between jog recovery, things like that. Um, it keeps my govern on me, keeps my heart rate elevated, but doesn't let me get too spicy with my pacing. Uh, and I always feel like I really build a nice grindy type of fitness off of these workouts. Yep. Like stay power. Like I would describe these workouts as building stay power. And ultimately guys, like that's what matters when it comes to racing well is your durability. So I would put this type, this first type of interval training, the threshold type, the short rest, the longer reps into that. That should almost be like a foundation piece of your training program that one, when you're starting a build, you're implementing this probably on a weekly basis. And you're even filtering this in throughout your training cycle as you're working towards a races. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to use that same phrase, staying power. This is speed extension. This is, uh, this is being able to take what you currently have and hold it longer. These are the workouts that build that lasting durability in a race. And what I like to do is I love to use these in base building you know, towards the second half of base building when I've graduated yeah. away from my volume build and now I'm I'm starting to work in something a little quicker. But I also use this in maintenance mode during a season where I need to stay in shape to race, but I also have to maintain this fitness as long as I can without peaking. This kind of work, this 10K through half marathon, this like 40 to 60 minute race fitness, the, this is the speed that you can work ad nauseum without over sharpening. And so mm -hmm. I like to extend my training blocks with this. And I hit this pace a lot in between big races when I don't have enough time to peak and repeak. And there's not like such a short amount of time that I just want to sharpen. Yeah, I like that. Now, um, why, why would somebody pick, again, we haven't talked about the other two types of interval training in our opinion, but why would somebody, like what kind of athlete and race distance would pick this type of interval training over let's say really quick repeats with lots of rest. Like what athletes should be doing these type of workouts? To me, if you're running 5K or longer, this has to be some sort of a staple in your program. 
anything that becomes a pure endurance competition needs this type of work on your engine. Yes. And, and I would add to that, that this includes tempo and threshold work, meaning going out for a 40 minute threshold run. This in my, in my eyes, this falls into just a slightly sharper category of threshold or um, tempo work. So this falls into that category. If you're racing for longer than 15 or 20 minutes, adding in long intervals with shorter rest or the threshold or tempo work, I would lump almost into this category. Mm-hmm. And um, I say this. It's a staple of every program. In fact, and before you, before you, you go there, I'm going to just jump in and say, um, I look I look back at my logs and heck, some of my best races, I'm doing some of this stuff three weeks out from a big race that matters. This isn't stuff I'm leaving alone once the season starts. I'm going out and doing work like this and then racing really well three weeks later in a race that matters. So it's not like you just do this work and then leave it alone once racing starts. This, again, should be filtered through your program. I would say workouts like this every two or three weeks um, to keep that state power. Mm-hmm. That's a personal opinion of mine. And I do it more often. And I actually do this at the expense of actual tempo work. I believe that these are more effective and better for you, bang for your buck, than a 40-minute tempo run. I'd rather do 40 minutes worth of intervals that are faster than tempo pace than go out for a 40-minute steady run. That's sure. that's me personally. That also falls closer in line with true polarized training. And I think it's less damaging long-term. I think you get more benefit. You're working faster, but you're not taking the structural damage that you would take for pounding for 40 minutes straight. So if I had to choose, I would choose this over true tempo work every single time. And I love it for mountain work, for hill work. Grinding up for five to 10 to 15 minutes straight and on descents, I think it's the sweet spot for building that climbing staying power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all, those are all good points. I also think that's your, uh, your fast twitchy side tendencies coming out, like in that little breather in between. Uh, yeah. reps just helps you stay a little more mentally engaged, give you something to look forward to. You mentioned before we started this, you like, oh, I'm gonna, I can stop after 10 reps. So I can stop after 15 reps. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same point. You can give yourself that, that mental alleviation, um, which can keep you sometimes just keep the throttle down longer and get more productive work out of that workout. Um, here on the running public, we don't just talk theory. We talk specifics. So bracket, uh, do you have a, a workout or two that you enjoy doing, uh, that would outline this for people? So I love doing thousands. I just think it's a great distance. I think 800 meters and shorter, it's short enough that you can cheat it by being very fast or by like ramping up. Like in an 800 meter, you might run your first 200 meters a little too quick and then settle in for 400 and then pick it up again the last 200, hit your time. But I don't think that was an honest mm-hmm. effort. I don't think that that got the the point across in your training that you wanted to do. Where I think a thousand is long enough that you just can't really cheat it. You have to get into a rhythm and grind it. So I love doing thousands, but I also like doing progressions on this type of so, so Sorry, thousands with 60 seconds rest in between? Yes. Yeah. Or 45. Um, early season, I'd do 60. Later on, I'll do 45 as I get fitter. No, it's funny. My uh, guy, I very much respect my college cross country and track coach, uh, John Zupont. Uh, he had us doing, uh, eight to 10 by a thousand with 60 seconds rest early in the cross country season. And I will tell you what folks, uh, I hate to say it, but sometimes that even had us peaking like a little early at times, like that got us really fit and fast, even a non-flashy workout like that. We were race ready off of those type of Mm -hmm. workouts. And that's why I like going down to 45 seconds because 60 is just long enough with a thousand that you can overrun the thousand and recover enough in 60 to to be working harder than you should. And then you can sharpen up a little, whereas 45 or 40 or 35 seconds, 
it kind of eliminates that possibility. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can take standing rest or just slow jog recovery. I actually don't really care. Whatever you feel like you need, you can take in between. Yeah. Um, as long as you're letting your heart rate come down, that's sort of the point. And that's another one. Early season, I'm walking for recovery. Mid-season, oh. I'm, 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 I'm honest jogging. And then towards the end of the season, I'm probably not doing these. I'm doing faster and I'm taking better recovery and I'm cranking it. But that's one of my favorites. Eight to 10 by 1,000 is just one of my – if I could choose like three workouts to do for the rest of my life, that would be one of them. Okay. Uh, but I also like doing a progression. I like starting at 800s and maybe do like 12 to 16 by 800 or 12 to 14 by 800 and then progress up to eight to 10 by thousand and then progress up to five to seven by 1200 and then finish with four to five by mile and uh, extend the same speed I've been doing, but now for longer durations in each interval bout, but with the same recovery always. So still sticking to that 45-ish seconds rest and extend that and I get to the end of that and I know I'm in better shape than I started and now I reset with a slightly faster pace. I like that. I like that. And those work and they may not be fancy, but damn it, those workouts work, man. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I would say two. I, I really like the ladder style. Um, I find this works really well for this workout for me. Yeah. You notice that, don't you? And I, and I uh, just stick to like my, my monotonous same rep every time. It's interesting how we, how we sort ourselves out like that. You know what though? We're probably getting in the same work. Like when you oh, average yeah. it all out, we're getting in the same systemic, uh, like physiological benefits from it's just workouts. What aspect we're working on mentally. So I like two, I like, um, two by five minutes, two by four minutes, two by three minutes, two by two minutes and two by one minute, all with one minute, either rest or jog. So that means five minutes hard, one minute rest, five minutes hard, one minute rest, four minutes, four minutes, three minutes, three minutes. You get the point. Um, mentally when you climb down that way, uh, it, it just, it works. That first five and four minute bouts are really a grind. Three minutes is pretty tough, but once you start getting down, you can actually even get a little bit of quality in there on those last few reps. And you leave the work feeling kind of good about it because you had some shorter bouts at the end that you mentally can stay really engaged with even off of a minute rest. And then I also like to ladder that, go one, one minute, two minute, three minute, four minute, five minute, five minute, four minute, three minute, two minute, one minute, all with one minute rest or jog recovery in between. Uh, those are grindy. That's 30 minutes of hard work, folks, if, folks, if you add up the time somewhere around there. I, I, I have to make sure I'm not lying to you. Yeah. I think that's 30 minutes of hard work. Because 30 to 40 minutes is the range you want to shoot for. Correct. So um, those two workouts I really like to go with. And damn it, like referring back to those thousand meter repeats we did in college, like that workout helps my fitness pop um, pretty quick without like you know, let's call it peaking too early. So that that's the one I would give you is either split it up into fives, fours, threes, twos, and ones and do doubles on the way down or just climb it up and climb it back down. Those two workouts are great. And those are great workouts to put in your long run on the weekends. Um, you can add into a long run. If you want to have jog recovery, you could put it as a flashy interval session on like a Tuesday if you want to keep it more interval-esque. Um, but that's one of mine. Yeah. And, and I think that touches upon something. When we talk about 30 to 40 minutes worth of work and we're talking about doing thousands, now that's really open to interpretation because I might do eight to 10 by thousand in 40 minutes. Eliud Kipchoge might do 14 to 16 by thousand and get the same amount of time on feet in. Whereas yeah. someone who's new to the sport might get five to six by thousand done in those 30 to 40 minutes. And so uh, if you're new to it or you're just slower, you can do time-based intervals. I like three, five, and seven minute intervals. Cycle yeah. through that. 10 by three, you know, eight by five, 
you know, something like that. And, and don't worry about distance until you're getting to the point that you can get your thousands done under four minutes because doing a six minute thousand and then progressing up to a 1200 and a mile is actually working a tougher workout than what we're doing at thousands because we're getting it done in 30 minutes and it might be taking you 55 and now you're outside the zone that we should be in anyways. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about time too is, you know, we talk about doing hard work on race terrain and a thousand meters on rolling shitty technical terrain is way different than a thousand meters on the track. So I like the, the time base because then I don't have to worry about pacing as much and I can hit some gnarlier terrain, um, which, you know, there's points to do both on flat, mm -hmm. fast and, and gnarly stuff. So um, should we move on to the second, second form? Did you want to add anything to that? first uh, about an interval training we talked about? The only last thing I was going to hit is what you just talked about, doing it off-road versus on-road. When I'm early season, I do two weeks of each interval. So I'll do eight to 10 by thousand flat by time. And then I do eight to 10 by whatever that time was off trail the next time. So I do on trail, off trail, on trail, off as I extend my distances up. In week one, I hit my average pace. Let's say I'm hitting 340 per thousand or 320 per thousand. Next week, I'm doing 320, three minute and 20 second intervals off road. Yeah. And so I'm getting the same work in. And, and then by the time I'm getting closer to competition, then I'm doing all my work on the race terrain that I'm going to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. You're good about seeking out the trails for some of that, the faster stuff once racing comes around. Um, all right. So the second type of interval training now, we're kind of this, this middle, this middle ground between the flashy and fancy, you know, really fast, uh, lots of rest. So you can really feel good about your reps and what we just talked about, which is the minimal rest and longer duration, uh, that middle ground bracket. Mm -hmm. Well, how would you describe that middle ground? I would call this one the classic workouts that if you grew up doing track or cross country, this is what you did a lot of. A lot, this kind of centers around 5K race pace. This is like five by a mile with three minutes rest between yep. or something like that. Or yeah. eight by 800 or 10 by 800 or whatever it's going to be where you're getting two to three minutes of rest. You're basically getting a half distance rest. I mean, half duration of recovery. So At if you're doing- no, yeah. About half. Yeah, you're right. About half. Yeah. If you're doing a mile in six minutes, you're resting three minutes in between. That kind mm -hmm. of thing. Right around half. And some people play closer to one third rest. Some people go up to two thirds rest. It's everyone has a rationale for why they do it. But this really centers around, in my mind, 5K pace. A little slower. It's like from VO2 max pace to a little bit slower than VO2 max pace. But right in that range where you don't need full recovery yet, but you also can't do it on 60 seconds or less. I'm gonna stop you real quick. Um, we had a review that said sometimes our jargon can get a little too technical. <laughs> and, so, and so why don't you tell us what, what VO2 max pace is and VO, can you just, what, yeah. what would what, how would you describe that? I would describe it as your six to 15 minute race pace. It really varies on the person and honestly on the scientific study that covers it. But I like to call it 3K pace to 5K pace. Yeah. where slower runners, VO2 max is probably your 3K pace. Elite runners is probably closer to your five minute, I mean, your 5K race pace. But you think about that, what you could do for 10 to 15 minutes all out in a race. That means pounding home, sprinting home, heart rate is probably reaching its max. You are now filling up with lactate and you, and it's a byproduct of exercise, lactate, which causes you to basically fail. Your muscles burn and you can't continue at the effort you're you're going any further. It takes roughly, let's say 10 to 20 minutes to hit that of hard, hard race type work. Yeah. So yeah. if you're not like a national level runner, just think 3K pace. 
And if you are a national runner, this is probably 5K pace. And these are easy to find online. You go to a running calculator, you put in any of your recent races or time trials, and it'll say what you should be able to do in a 3K or a 5K. Pretty easy to calculate out. It gets you in the ballpark. But so I'm talking that type of interval where this is not sprint training, but this is not 40 to 60 minute race pace. This is faster than than 40 to 60, but it's slower than sprint training. And this is like the bread and butter of how people get better in interval work. But it's also the thing that can peak you too soon if you're doing this a time or two per week for three to five weeks or longer. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is going to allow you to tap into some quicker pacing. Um, usually I like to work in you know, roughly the 20 minutes of hard work category. 20-ish. It could go 15 to 25 minutes of hard work. So mm-hmm. because these are a little quicker, we're we're reducing our general volume. At least I do with these. You can extend them, but sometimes that can one cause you to peak too soon or two. You're just not getting the high quality work out of it. Um, and these are the ones that we start really thinking about when we're thinking about racing well. We're thinking about, okay, time matters, pacing matters, performance matters. I got some races now that are coming up. I can see them on my calendar in the next month. And I want to make sure I'm starting to sharpen a little bit. Um, and like you mentioned, these are the classics. This is the These are staples of a program um, that you probably are doing throughout an entire season. And I would say it could start as short as quarter mile repeats. Yep. In fact, I like that workout. I like going 20 by 400 at 5k pace. I like it a lot. Yeah. Sure. 20 by 5k pace with 60 seconds rest. Would you say? Yeah. And then that's the caveat to this. When I say 60 seconds rest isn't enough to do this workout on, it is if you're doing 200s or 500 or 400s, you know, but yeah, you're, you're looking at that roughly half uh, duration recovery, sometimes a little bit longer. Yeah. And sometimes these are the workouts that people will use to completely peak for a race. They don't, you don't get beyond, uh, you don't add more rest or shorten reps from this. Sometimes these are the flashy workouts for people where this is as quick as they're going. And it's as quick, you know, if you're focusing on a beast race or a 10 K or, uh, you know, a half marathon, you may not need to get any sharper than what we're talking about. And I like what you said, Breck. And I think a general rule of thumb is roughly around 5 K race pace and half recovery. Let's just call it half recovery of the duration of your interval. Yeah. It's the easiest way to go. It's the, it's like the centerpiece of all of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, now what is, what is, what are these workouts starting to do for us? I, the first thing I would say is these are some VO2 max building workouts we talked about, yeah. you know, and VO2 max is really the ability for your body to utilize process, absorb oxygen in a sense. Yeah. And so this is making you a, uh, a, a better athlete, I guess, in a sense, it's making you more, it's increasing your endurance. It's increasing your high level output. Uh, these are VO two max type workouts where we're building our body's ability to utilize oxygen at a pretty intense rate. Yeah. That's how I would describe it. Yeah. So I look at oxygen and lactate. So lactate's the byproduct of exercising your muscles, but it's also a fuel source for us. And you can get better at utilizing it. And once you can no longer utilize it as quickly as your body produces it, that's when you start to burn out. So I look at the intervals we talked about before, that that 40 to 60 minute race pace interval with short rest. I look at that as I'm sipping during this workout. I'm sipping lactate. I'm sipping oxygen. Um, It's like I'm breathing through a straw while I'm drinking. I mean, I'm drinking through a straw. I'm getting a decent amount in, but... I'm never like, I can breathe through my nose through it. Like I, I, I can mm-hmm. still function. I'm sipping it the whole time. I'm getting what I need, but I'm never like choking and sputtering. On these workouts, we're starting to just open our mouth out and we're drinking. And we're riding that line of no longer being able to like finish out the work. 
where in that, that uh, like we were talking eight to 10 by thousand, the first four to six, I should feel under control. And then I have to start to like work towards the end. Mm-hmm. This one, the first half of the workout feels like work. And the second half kind of feels like a fight. Like I have to keep myself foot on the pedal to finish each interval. And I'm craving the rest period. My leg, my hamstrings are starting to burn. My stomach's starting to burn. I'm full out gasping where I'm not doing that in those long intervals. This is working at race pace or slightly faster. And you are high heart rate, you are gasping, and you are not sipping lactate or oxygen anymore. You're fully taking it in. Man, another great analogy from Mr. Analogy over there. <laughs> I, I know that's, that's that's a good one. Sipping out of the straw versus uh, starting to take gulps right out of the cup. Yep. You can only do that for so long before you need to catch your breath, right? Exactly. Um, uh, yeah. Um, what I was going to say is, you know, you're doing this type of work when, let's say I prescribe myself 16 by 400 meters with 60 seconds recovery. Um, I'm about six reps in and I'm going, oh shit, I got 10 reps to go and I don't know how I'm going to hang on. Like it's, those are the work grindy workouts that are a mental battle where you're like, did I overextend myself early? This pace was uncomfortable already. And now I got to hang on. Those are the workouts. If you're doing four to six by a mile and you're on mile three and you're halfway through it. And you're like, shit, I am working hard. Like this is a character building workout in my opinion. Um, And these workouts, uh, I filter in this type of workout once racing starts once a week, for sure. I think this would be a a version of a workout like this is a staple in my program once a week. I usually don't extend these intervals much longer than mile repeats. Um, Occasionally I have done, I have done two mile repeats with like, four minutes rest or five minutes rest, but that's starting to get blurry. So I say you're looking in the quarter mile to mile repeat range for these, or if we want to simplify it, uh, like 75 second to six minute reads. Call yep. it that. And you know what? I like to err on a little less. I, I stay away even from miles unless the person's very fast or unless we're getting to the point where we're ready to peak. I like yep. to keep this to 800 meters or less. I like three minutes or less of work on these intervals if I'm at all trying to avoid peaking because mm-hmm. it's just a very stressful workout. And to me, extending up another two or 400 meters isn't worth it for the potential ramifications that come with it. This, this, these are the workouts that lead to overuse injuries that lead to peaking. And yep. there's nothing wrong with thousands or 1200s or miles at this, but I think they have to be done with intent. I do yep. not run three to four by mile at this until I'm within like, three weeks of my goal race up until that point i'm sitting at 400 600s 800s maybe thousands but i even keep thousands until i'm getting ready to start being like a nasty racer so we talked about you know the first type of interval long duration short rest 60 seconds or less i I recommend you filter into that program even when during racing season like once every three weeks but even once every other week would be great and then what we're talking about now is basically the quicker 5k tempo stuff if we're racing, we're, we're putting those into our plan every week. So basically, first type of interval, we're looking at once every two to three weeks. This is just my opinion. You can fight me on this, Bracken. And then now this type of interval we're talking about should be in some form on a weekly basis into your program, whether it's a compromised running workout, which is another layer we can add to all this, which I don't know if we want to dive into today, but um, or it's a traditional, traditional, so it's called speed workout. Yeah. 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 So I would say you do them about once a week, once we get into season in some form, I do as well. Yeah. And I, I periodize a little different. I think I still, at the end of the day, we were track runners. 
And so yeah, this right. is more in our sweet spot, but I would do blocks. You know, this, this stuff strikes me as periodized training. And I would do blocks where I would do two of those 10K to 15K pace workouts a week or over a nine day stretch. And then I'd hit these two times a week or two times over eight or nine day stretches I'm leading up, but I'd only be doing it for three to five weeks because after that, like that ship has sailed. I'm ready to race and I can't keep it much longer. So if you were doing non-periodized, then yeah, stretching them out a little farther in between gives you some staying power in your training schedule. Correct. That's why I do it because I feel like it's it's sustainable maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, I want to go on a tangent really quick, what you just said. Um, you you struck a conversation I want to dive into. Okay. Uh, do you know what it do you know what it is? Are you talking about uh, the three to five week hold and then what do you do from there? Ah, smart man. So if you are worried about peaking or these workouts are going to get you to peak and you say, Hey, I can only hold this for so long, what do you do? after you feel like, okay, now I'm plateauing and I'm, I'm there and I don't know how long I can hold this. I mean, this could be a whole episode in itself, yeah. but I just wanted, you just, you just threw that nugget out there, Bracken, and I can't, I can't just, you know, leave yeah. it alone. Well, if you get that realization before you actually tip, I simply back off one stage of training. I back right back down to the long intervals and threshold runs. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if that ship has already sailed, I think you need a soft reset. I think you yeah. take that five to eight days of no intensity or only non-impact intensity, like an assault mm-hmm. bike or a rower, and then you restart up with maybe a couple of the, the slower threshold base work, and then you can get back to it. But if you catch it early enough, you can simply pull back. If you don't catch it, you need a soft reset. See, because like if you're doing the U.S. National Series in Spartan racing or you're an avid road racer, it seems like people race about once a month. Uh, holding a peak, you know, for five months straight, if you're doing the U S national series is absolutely impossible. So the reason I like to filter in all these layers at a somewhat, you know, regular basis is for that reason alone. If you're building towards one race, you're looking at this completely different. Um, and then I would say you almost, you almost stage the workouts like you're talking without question. In fact, if you're focusing on one big race, that would probably be what I would think the smarter way to do it. But because the nature of our sport, that's why I just, it's like keeping all the pieces in at all times and taking down weeks or down half weeks very often, but then jumping right back into high level training. Honestly, if I had to really think about it, I would almost do a four week training cycle if we were working on the US National Series, which is a race every four or five weeks if racing was normal. And it would be uh, three to five down days after a big race, finish out that week after a race with a little bit of running, hit two plus weeks of high level training, taper for a race, start the cycle all over again. It, 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 it would be like sustainable. You never burn out. You'd probably always show up at a race at 90% of your capability, maybe 95. And you probably wouldn't get injured either. It's like uh, the long game approach, but that's a whole tangent we don't need yeah. to get into, I suppose, huh? Um, yeah, so let's let's give, uh, let's give our cool listeners um, – so I guess we already touched on it a bit, but uh, your favorite workout or two as far as this phase goes. So the classic workouts are 16 to 20 by 400. Um, yeah. Again, about half rest. On 400s, you actually get a little, people usually do it on 60 seconds, which means you're getting two thirds rest. Yeah. Um, but And then you bump up to that seven to eight by 800 with half rest. And then you bump up to three to four by mile. Um, some people go four to five by mile but it really just depends on how fast you are. The faster you are, the more reps you get done in that time. Um, And those are the, 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 just the standard age old 
cut and dry. You're doing the same rep distance every time. So those are the the three, but you can do the 600s, the thousands, the 1200 version of that as well. Yep. Um, I agree with that. The only time I really almost do equal rest is on 400s, uh, 16 by a quarter mile. When I start to think about racing and racing well, two, three weeks out from something that's going to require a pace, I'm going to hit that workout. Um, and it's simple folks, literally just, if it took you 90 seconds to run your quarter mile repeat, if you want to go off the half rest principle, then you rest 45 seconds. If my mile repeat takes me five ten, I'm resting two thirty five. Like I, like mm-hmm. I try to keep it pretty close. Like, and I go off of the, that half rest principle quite often. Um, just because I talked about ladder intervals, um, it doesn't need to be a, a standard, like, you know, five by a mile, you could do ladder work. Again, you could do two by a mile, two by 800, two by a quarter, all with half rest, same philosophy. If you just need something a little bit different or want to work variations in pacing. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I think, I think we outlined that pretty well, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add to that? No, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, I think that we move now from drinking through a straw to gulping it to like, this is, beer a, bong. This is what I was going to say keg stand, but yeah, keg beer bong. Stand, there is a gravity working against you. It is flowing at an uncontrollable rate. You can gulp as long as you can, and suddenly you're going to start spreading out all over the place. And and that's it. This is We're moving to speed that is so fast that it is not sustainable in any way, shape, or form. So when I think of this, I pretty much think that you're working mile pace or faster. Yes. And there is still a wide range between mile pace and 100-meter dash pace. I pretty much, if I'm doing interval work, I never work faster than 800 meter pace. Okay. It's almost impossible to. The only exception to that is if I'm doing like 40 to 60 meter sprints with like three to five minutes rest in between each one where, where you're literally only working on your top end speed. And while there's a place for that, that's not really like a progression that I'd follow. That's a, it happens once a week during a training cycle, like at the end of an easy day, I might just do four to six by 40 meters really fast. But so I'm talking 800 to mile pace working in there. And these are short intervals. This is, if I'm doing mile pace, I'm not doing longer than 600 meters for an interval. Mm-mm. Even that's long. That's a painful 600 meters. Too, that's right? only happening late season where I might go like 600 at mile and then wrap up with like four, four, two, 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 two. Yep. But yeah. This is, these are generally quarter miles, 200 meters, even 150s, some 300s, 100 to 400 meter intervals with long rest. This is, you're resting longer than it takes you. Yeah. Sometimes significantly longer. It's two to three times uh, your work bout. You know who, what jumps to mind when I think of these, this type of workouts, who would benefit from these type of workouts are two people. One, the aging athlete. The aging athlete in their mid to late 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever it is, the athlete where we're naturally losing our pop, like the elasticity and spring and rubber bandedness of our tendons, muscles, ligaments are starting to deteriorate and we don't feel as snappy. We still have stay power, but we don't feel as sharp. Adding in some really forceful high turnover stuff can help you hold on to that speed longer. Um, I know we've kind of circled around this conversation a little bit. Um, even now, you know, I'm starting to feel like I need to filter in some of this more just to keep my run economy going for faster paces, just to keep that turnover and efficiency, that neuromuscular memory of those paces. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the other person that I think really benefits from maybe filtering this in is, 
is the athlete who just feels slow. The one who can grind all day and hate, they hate speed work. They hate that uncomfortableness. They dread it. Uh, that's exactly the tonic you need is you need to work that over speed training to help you improve your pace. If you do truly already have like the aerobic engine and stay power. Those yeah. are the two athletes that jump out to me that you may want to poke this programming into your workouts, maybe on a regular basis, just to, to help move it along. Yeah. I think ultra runners need this probably every 10 to 14 days, something like this in there to counteract all of the slow work that you're doing that, uh, the faster now I'm going to get off track for a second. I'm going to relate this to weightlifting here. If you were doing a competition, let's say like the NFL combine and you had to rep 225 as many times as you could. I mean, that's essentially what we're trying to do in races, right? That's a 5k. Yep. You're trying to do your maximum output as long as you can do it or sub-maximal output many, many times. So you're going to do days where you do 135 or 200 pounds and you're going to rep it many times. But a lot of your work is going to be spent getting your max as high as you can get it. What is my three rep max? What is my five rep max? If you can get that to 315 or 355, now doing 225 is just less percent of your maximal output and you can just do it much more efficiently and for longer and that's what this work is that we're doing right now the the correlation to what you're doing later is that you're raising what your max capacity is if you can now run a mile in 420 instead of 520 holding six minute pace is just such a smaller percentage of what your max capability is that you're going to be so much smoother and more efficient at it and it costs you less energy so even for ultra runners, where you're just trying to run aerobic capacity all day long in a race, if you raise what your maximum anaerobic capacity is, your aerobic capacity just becomes a little bit faster. So these are days where you are, you're putting in work that you don't necessarily see in that moment, but it makes other work easier. Yeah. Even if it's just for the mental perspective of it all, that yeah. is, yeah, invaluable. And not to get too fancy here, but really this is neuromuscular like efficiency and training. It's teaching your, like our body, our brain tells our body what to do, whether it's running or eating a bowl of cereal or anything. It's a nervous system to muscle connection that we make and stimulating that nervous system to fire all the muscles appropriately, fire efficiently, that overspeed training is going to make you a neuromuscularly more efficient athlete, which is going to translate into better run economy, smoother running form and cadence, um, and things that just make you expend less energy to run a pace you want to run. Mm -hmm. And when you run these fast, hard, intense bouts, you're also doing max muscle recruitment through the full range of motion, which is just gaining more benefit. You're requiring more demand on your 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 muscles and your nervous system and what it's doing is it's just like completing completing your system so to speak but i think the biggest thing it does is what you talked about is it it perspectively just makes your run economy in a sense that's what you were saying more more efficient yeah now a couple of weeks back we talked about warm-ups and we talked about how if you're not getting the proper warm-up your first couple of reps feel terrible and then you ease into it or you hear that comment from people all the time like man, that first quarter to 800 meters, quarter mile to 800 meters, or even the first mile of a race, I just am so uncomfortable and it takes me a long time to settle in. And we said, mm -hmm. number one issue there is that you're just not prepared for the race to start through a great warm up. This is the other factor. 
if that first 400, 800 meters in the race is about as fast as you ever run, it doesn't matter if what comes next is easy for you. You have just reached about the maximal work output that you're used to doing. And mm-hmm. that is costly. However, if you're used to working another 20% faster than that, now that first 400 meters in a race is comfortable and easy. And you have, like you said, that neural pathway is already established. You can sit into a really repeatable motion during that rather than fighting for the speed to go through that. Exactly. It took me five years of running at the collegiate level to figure out how to run the first 400 meters of an 800 meter as fast as I could while practically dead asleep. Four and a half years. I figured it out with four races to go my fifth year of of collegiate running to the point where I could come through the 400 meters feeling like, I just woke up from a nap. Let's get rolling. And I was coming through the first 400 at about 52 to 53 seconds. And my maximum, I never broke 50 in an open 400. I ran 50.02, but I could come through at 52, 53 feeling like I was under control. And the reason I do that is because I ran 48, 47, 46 paced 200 meters and 150s and 300 sometimes in practice so often that now staying at 90% of that, 95% of that was a type two type of comfort to me. I could comfortably mm-hmm. run cl- close to my ceiling because I spent so much time at my ceiling. Yeah. I mean, you earned that right through training for years and years. That's yeah. that's over speed training. And that's that's probably the biggest missing component to most of you listening to us today. I would say is one thing that might be a box you haven't checked as far as improving your ability to run fast uh, over duration is the overspeed training, running significantly faster than race pace, uh, paces that you don't know. It might even feel like an all-out sprint to you. Um, The paces that you might not even feel necessary to hit. The paces you, why would I do 200 meter repeats if I'm racing for 20, 30, 40 minutes? But it's about that efficiency over time and it's about that perspective making race pace seem more comfortable. And I can't stress that enough. If you haven't done any of these workouts um, with a lot of rest, short, fast stuff, you would almost think, oh, it's a sprinter workout. If you haven't done any of that in the recent months or years, I would say, eh, go slap one on this week and see how it feels. Mm-hmm. Just to just to see what it does. What I notice when I start doing these type of workouts is, God, a week, two weeks, three weeks later, I'm starting to pop some really fast shit. Like I'll go out to do a long run and suddenly I'm clicking off six minute pace. Like it's comfortable. And I'm like, well, this feels so easy and it feels so relaxed. And well, yeah, because I was running four minute pace Mm -hmm. for intervals two weeks before. And this now my body is just says, ah, thank you for this lovely six minute pace because it's just much more comfortable in perspective. So um, these workouts, I would consider peaking workouts, folks. These are workouts. If you're curious about it, now is a good time to go slap one into your program and see how it feels. But um, these workouts you don't want to do very often. Uh, I don't think, I don't think you, you need to do them more than when maybe we have some, some high end racing in your near future, or if you just feel super slow and need this. Um, I notice my fitness starts to really pop within a couple of weeks of adding these in, like mm-hmm. really pop. And that would, that would cause me to peak pretty quick, these type of workouts. How do you respond to that? Almost the exact opposite. Not, not in terms of response, but how I implement them. This is when I talk about having speed present in my schedule year round, this is what I'm talking about. I firmly believe that everyone who doesn't do this is inefficient at faster than race pace. And everyone who does do this is, they are very efficient at running fast paces. And it's easy. Go out and run six by 400 as fast as you can maintain for all six reps. 
with like three minute recovery in between. Your stride is going to feel so weird. Your arms are going to be fighting and punching through the air. Your legs are going to feel like, man, I'm not sure how to run this stride correctly. But after mm -hmm. doing that session three or four times, suddenly you start to be able to run relaxed and smooth at that pace rather than fighting and try to sprint at that pace. And mm -hmm. that's what I think everyone needs year round. You should never feel awkward sprinting or running at like 90% of a sprint. And so I keep this every single week all year round, but I don't do the full workout. You just you do a finisher is what yep, you do. I'll do a finisher or I'll do a start. You're skirting around my philosophy, not skirting around it, but you're, you're doing it a little more wisely in a sense where it's not a full commitment to that. It's, it's a, it's the frosting on the cake. Yeah. If you do this full yeah. workout, I would not do these full workouts until I'm ready to race like a one-off or three-off race. But I do four by 200 meters to end almost every threshold day I do. Or at the end of uh, like these long interval days, I'll finish six to, or I'll do eight to 10 by thousand. And then I'll finish up with two by 400, four by 200. You love ending your threshold days with a uh, 400 meter repeat. And even if it doesn't change my fitness, because there's science out there that says you're getting at a deplete state, you're not really improving your top end speed at all. That's okay. I'm not trying to change my fitness. I'm trying to change my efficiency at that specific pace. Mm -hmm. And then one other thing I do is sometimes I do is as a starter before a dog loop, before something like that, I might just run a fast 400 or even a fast 800 to get used to getting out fast, but doing it fast and relaxed. The yeah. best thing you can do as a runner with your stride is learn to be relaxed while being fast so that you're using only the energy needed because you can run at all out sprinting while having 100% muscle con contraction, or you can run with your face and hands bouncing at all out sprint speed and you're mm -hmm. not going to be slower, but you're going to use so much less energy. And I think that that right there is so important for every runner. And, yeah. then, and for OCR runners or trail runners, you can do this downhill. Yeah. I mean, Kirk, you're, you've had some times where like we're running hill work and you're hitting four minute pace downhill and you pop a workout or a race a couple of weeks later because you've hit such fast work, but it's in a downhill race specific style. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What's the saying? Relaxed is smooth and smooth is fast. Yeah. And it's, it's really, when you're talking about racing, it just like you said, staying asleep for the first half of an 800, the longer you can stay relaxed, the longer you can stay smooth, the longer you put off any sort of bonk or red line or tying up in a race. Um, so working, you know, that's kind of the phase two. The phase one is implementing some really fast, sharp, twitchy stuff. And then phase two is sort of like, okay, now I'm going to learn to relax at mm -hmm. this pacing. Um, what I was referring to is full committed workouts, right. to, you know, to, to fast tempo, high rest, Whereas what Bracken said is brilliant. And, and I do that too. I don't know why I didn't think of it, but adding some spicier stuff at the end of a grindier session um, can kind of keep that system ready, but not peaking type workouts, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. If, like you said, if you're old or slow, like do uh -huh. this as a block of training, mm -hmm. maybe even to start your block off, like do your, your base building, hit a, a two or three week session of this, like maybe even once or twice a week. And then move into your intervals and and feel the difference in your just how economical your movements are compared to how they used to be. Hundred percent. I can't tell you enough how much this helps. And I will tell you when I start adding this work in, just like you had mentioned, Bracken, like I'll feel like my legs are tying up and my stride's a little short, and I'm reaching with my arm carriage, 
And I feel super inefficient because I haven't hit those paces recently. It happens every first or mm -hmm. first one or two speed workouts that I really start going for it on. Um, but then once you start implementing them, I start to feel efficient. But you, why would you feel efficient running faster than mile pace if you never run that? You wouldn't. So the point is, is keeping it in there um, or putting it into your program it just helps with that. Like, I don't know. I just feel like, and that's been a missing piece for my training too, I think, is is that over speed training. Um I just think that's the one place like these, these grindy workouts kind of are alluring to our sport and the tempo and threshold, which we just, you know, it's part of our fault, Bracken. We sing the praises of do your threshold work, do your long hill work, do mm -hmm. this. And we don't pay enough time or credit or attention to the 30 second work, the 45 second work, the minute work, which really translate to speed over distance. So um, filter these into your program as well. I think adding them to the end of a run, like a workout, like Bracken said, or throwing them in within the final month of training if you're peaking for a big race uh, would be another time to do this. Now, let's dive into some specific workouts here. Um, you kind of touched on it already. Give one or two. I'll give one or two, and we can wrap this thing up. So, I mean, classics, 8 to 10 by 200 meters mm -hmm. or 10 to 12 by 200 meters. That is not a lot of total work. You're talking a little over a half mile of work, at, but they'd be done fast. This is where I do 200 meters fast, and then I turn and I walk back to my start diagonally across the track. Might take or, you two minutes to do that, though. Yep. A minute. minute or yeah. slow, slow, like like waddle jogging, just to keep my legs moving a little bit. Uh, people would do maybe six by 400, um, up to maybe eight to 10 by 400 for high-end athletes. Um, 300. Like Two-minute two minute rest or so, maybe yeah. more. Yeah. Two, three minute rest. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I'm looking at three minute rest on those. Um, 300s are great. I really like 300s. I, I like these in between distances. Uh, it, it's just, you have to extend a little bit longer and there's it, like the difference between a 200 meter and a 300 meter interval aren't huge, but it is night and day for some night reason. Same between 400 and 600 meters. I yeah. think it's because your body, like you go into that 300 hundred percent focus. Like it's a 200 and yeah. then you're forced to hold on for an extra hundred meters, which is where like that gain really happens. But this is the kind of stuff, like, I don't want to get hung up on it. If you're new to it, you start short, start with hundred fifties. You know, if you're talking time, start with 15 to 20 second intervals and build up over time to 30 or 40 second intervals, but you don't need much more than that. I mean, maximum I'm ever doing this for is maybe 60 to 65 seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't agree. I can't argue with that. I think that six by 400, I think the perfect workout is either six by 400 meters with three minutes rest, or it's like 10 by 200 meters with like 90 seconds to two minutes rest. Mm -hmm. I think those would be the ones to go to a way around this. And, and I pro a lot of my athletes who are listening, I program this one in there for them once in a while. And it's a nice, like an in-betweener is like four by or four by four by 400 meters where you're going to hit a quarter mile, 60 seconds rest, quarter 60, quarter 60. And then every fourth rep, you're going to take a full three or four minutes rest. Mm -hmm. So you're really breaking it up into like four blocks of four or four blocks of three. So short rest, short rest, short rest, long reset, short rest, short rest. And it's a, it's a, one of those that like phases between like this flashy type of interval and like the middle type interval we talked about. I really like that one for thrown into my schedule every few weeks to just it's good, solid work, but it also allows you to run fast, a little faster. Yeah. So I like the, um, I don't know, it's like segmented interval work like that. Um, I do that with 200 meters as well. 200 meters with 30 seconds rest. And then every fourth you take three minutes rest. 
they can run fast, but still get some decent, you know, work out of them. I like that. And and we talked ladders before. This is where I use my cut down, my ladders. This is, I, I like doing ladders where I start with my longest rep and move down. So I hit my longest rep while I'm fresh. And as my muscle fibers fatigue, I ask the same pace of them, which means more effort, but less duration. So yeah. like a, one we did in college was a six, four, four, two, 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 two. Yep. And so you'd hit the six, which is a lot of time to spend at like somewhere between 800 and mile pace. And then you drop to two, four hundreds and then four twos. And by the end, you're cranking on the four twos just to run the same pace you're running your fours at. So I ask less of them duration wise as the workout goes on. I really like cut downs for that. Even five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two, something like that, or five, four, three, two, 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 something like that. I, I like cutting down and getting you know, shorter as I work harder. And I know it's tough folks to, to look at a workout and say, I'm only going to get a mile and a half of work in today. Cause mm -hmm. it's all about miles and volume. And, and even with your warm up and cool down, you're sitting at like four and a half miles for the day. And you're like, this is a quality day. You just, you need to just trust that this will play out more benefit. Uh, again, we glorify the grindy workouts. We glorify the mileage. We glorify the time on feet. And part of that's our fault for you know, directing you that way, but these short flashy stuff, don't worry about the mileage that day. Yeah. It's all about quality because really racing is all about quality. You don't give a shit how much volume you get in a 5k race because it's a 5k race. That's what matters. So like, just try to just swallow your pride with the volume and those workouts. Don't worry about it. You don't need to go for a 10 mile extended cool down or do a four mile warm up to get your volume in still warm up clearly and do that, those things. Right. But, um, just, I understand that's part of it too. Like, the mileage is going to be low that day. Like it's going to be okay. In fact, mm -hmm. you'll probably see more gain from that workout than if you did eight or 10 miles worth of volume that day. So I just trust agree. it's okay. Yeah. That's just a tough thing to swallow for people. And for the mileage hogs out there or people training for something longer, this is a good double day. This is good. Hit this one as your A workout in the morning. And then in the evening, go for an easy paced jog or bike yep. or, or hike for, for our sport. Yep. If you really yep. need the volume to like make yourself happy. Yeah. I, I got a couple of those folks on my uh, mm -hmm. list right now too. Um, Bracken, you know, before these things, we always say, I don't know how we're going to get an hour out of this topic and two chatty Cathy's here. We're, uh, we're <laughs> zeroing in on 80 minutes. Um, what do you want to add here? Anything? Yeah. So th this workout, these type of workouts, the faster you run, the greater your chance of injury. And so the faster 100%. you run, the longer your warm up has to be. During our warm-up and cool-down episode, we talked about how the shorter we race, the longer we warm up. That is the same thing for interval work. The faster the interval work, the longer my warm-up progression is. The harder and faster I run my strides, the more strides I do. If I'm doing mild pace workout, I'm doing like six strides beforehand. And they're mm -hmm. fast. And they're building into that. And also, this is race shoe day. If you are running race pace or faster, you are in racing shoes. There is actual detriments that can happen to you sprinting in really cushioned shoes for long inter for long workouts, but it's the kind of thing that the less you wear, the more you are striking naturally, and that's what you want to be doing. We want to be wearing light shoes and your calves, your soleus, your feet, your Achilles, your hips, you're going to be sore before the first workout's even done. 100%. You're running six by 400, your calves and soleus, they're going to ache by rep three or four. And maybe that's when you call it week one. Mm -hmm. But after a few weeks, you are going to build up your stabilizing muscles really, really well. 
You bring up a good point, uh, especially with the warm up um, for these. You're, you're getting in 10, 15, 20 minutes of work where you're actively sweating. But the biggest thing that people miss for these short, spicy workouts are you need to be hitting some intense strides and pickups. For me, I like to hit a mile, mile and a half at warm up effort. Usually these fast things we're doing on the track. So then I will alternate 200s. I'll go a hard 200, recovery 200, hard 200, recovery 200. And they're uncomfortable, but that's not my workout yet. That is that is just getting my system primed for the work to come so that when I start this workout, it's not slapping me across the face mm-hmm. or you know risking injury. So you need to hit some hard, hard bouts uh, and pickups and strides in your warm-up before these efforts. Don't just go run two miles, do a little dynamic stretching, and then go hit an all-out 200. Like, yeah, it's a good way to pull your hammy. Yeah. So, so you got to hit some hard stuff in your warm-up for these. That's exactly it. And I don't want to always refer to lifting for things, but lifting is just really easy to wrap your mind around. If you were doing three by three sets of lifting, three sets of three heavy reps on bench or squat, you wouldn't do 10 minutes of dynamic warm-up, sit down on the bench and put 225 on the bar and be like, my max is, is 240, I'm going to do 225 three times. That's asinine. Yeah. You would rep 155, 185, 205, and you'd move up to it. But that's not your workout. That's just the warm-up. That's exactly what you have to do in this. It's the same thing. You would tear something if you dropped right into a three by five squat with no warm-up. So why yeah. would you expect anything different dropping into six by four hundred with no warm-up? Yep. Great. I think we got our point across there. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, gentlemen, ladies, we got one more week left in our contest for that free month of customized coaching. Again, you got to write a review for us on any outlet. Now, I will tell you, I only check Apple Podcast, and then I've had people send me screenshots of the reviews on other outlets like Stitcher. Uh, do that. Send us a screenshot of your review if it's not on Apple Podcast, so we add you to the mix. I've added everybody, uh, so you all have a fair shake at this. But next week, we're announcing our last winner uh, for the free month of coaching. Yes, Bracken? I forgot something about these intervals. What's that? The the more stiff you are or the older you are, or if you're not used to doing speed work, the more it's important to do a rolling start on these intervals. Mm. The last thing I want someone to do is to line up for doing eight by 200, get into a crouch, blast off the line and tweak a hammy. I am a proponent of the rolling start where you start 20 Mm. feet behind the line and you start jogging and you build up speed a little bit so that you can hit the start line already moving. There's not this like nasty snap to your to your explosion off the line. I think there's a place for that. And it's for people who are running a race where they have to start at a stop and explode into their race. So if you are not used to this, you're aging, or if you just don't ever want to risk injury, I suggest rolling into your interval work. That's good advice. Bracken, you guys don't have video on here, but I was trying to talk and Bracken was twitching like a squirrel. Yeah, I just didn't want, I don't want any injuries (laughs) on my conscience, Kirk. I don't want. That was a good point to bring up. Um, All right, I think I honed in enough on the contest. Got to write us a review for that. Congratulations, Eric McIntyre. You are going to be fitter than you've ever been four weeks from now. I promise you. It doesn't matter who you piss a coach. Um, And stay tuned, folks. Next week, we have... Uh, some exciting things coming your way. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm say. And don't forget to tune in June 6th for the Chasky Challenge online treadmill world records are going to be set. Yeah, buddy. All right. Thanks for listening. Go hit those intervals, folks. Crank them out.